This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to Spawn, the common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are very excited to be talking to Emmy-winning last week tonight with John Oliver staff writer Jill Twist about women, humor, and her awesome new children's book, which happens to be very funny, as you might have guessed, but also has a very timely message. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks and podcast of the week. But first, let's tell you a little more about our wonderful guest, Jill Twist. So Liz, when I mentioned to my husband that I was going to be talking to Jill, he kind of like fangirled over the whole thing because he's a huge, huge fan of her book. Yes, we get a lot of books and um, we don't save them all, but her first book <laughs> is one of the ones I've saved. Our listeners may know it best as Last Week Tonight with John Oliver presents A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, not just because it was a New York Times number one bestseller when it came out last year, but of course it was on Cool Mom Picks. It was a cool pick when it was released. And Jill Twist also is a comedy writer, as you might have guessed. She's won multiple Emmys, WGA Awards, Peabody Awards. She's basically pretty amazing. And now she's out with a brand new children's book, also with illustrator E.G. Keller, who she did Marlon Bundo with, and it's called The Someone New. So we have lots of things we want to ask her. And we're going to be talking to Jill right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. They have the nutrients that most of us don't get enough of from food, all in clean, absorbable forms. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash spawned to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months when you go to ritual.com slash spawned, S-P-A-W-N-E-D. So welcome, Jill. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You make me feel so wonderful about myself. You have done things that make us feel <laughs> wonderful about talking to you. <laughs> we I don't know if we've had an Emmy-winning comedy writer on yet. So you're you're like breaking new ground here, Jill. <laughs> At the Spawn Podcast community, breaking new ground. We love it. So speaking of your resume, I'm kind of blown away looking at your past. Like I love when we have guests and I start poking around about them to learn even more than what's in the bio. You studied public policy and music in college, like Kristen, you moved to South Dakota. You got accepted to law school, but instead you joined a touring children's theater troupe. How do all these experiences inform your comedy now? Because that is some interesting path. Well, I wouldn't recommend it. It's probably not the best <laughs> or fastest way to get into comedy. Frankly, I didn't know comedy was an option. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. All my internships in college were in Congress. I interned in the House and the Senate. And when I came out of college, I worked in a jury consulting firm, like helping lawyers pick their juries. And I sort of fell into stand-up comedy and realized that comedy was maybe what I loved. It was the way to sort of, I guess, look at the world in a different way. 
And I no longer wanted to be a lawyer. I realized I really wanted to go to law school. But at the end of it, I really very much did not want to be a lawyer. And so now I think I've just used all those skills to learn how to observe the world and maybe make an argument so that all the things that I write that are jokes are at least true or fact based. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like all the best creative people and writers fall into it. Like I was that rare weirdo who I was like, I want to write ads. And I went and I studied advertising in college. Like I knew I wanted to do this from ninth grade. And once I got into advertising after being like, I've worked my whole life for this. Everyone was like, oh, I was a philosophy major. I just like thought I'd try this. Oh, I like studied politics. (laughs) Like it's so interesting to me that often the best writers really come from other places because you have something to write about. Oh no, I thought I wanted to be the president president. Um, And now I could not realize more clearly that I do not want to be the president. You might do a really good job compared with where we are now. I'll just put that out there. (laughs) I think anyone who does not want to be the president would probably do a better job than most people who want to be the president. But nevertheless, (laughs) well said. That's not how this conversation is going to end. Well, you know what? (laughs) We've jumped into politics and your comedy is politically based. And so we wonder how great writers like yourself can find the humor in things when they're so crappy. (laughs) How do you do it? I think we can't not do it. Uh, I think is what it comes down to is it's either your natural reflex or it isn't. I remember I was, this is, I promise going to be an okay story in the end. I was mugged and I was sort of beaten up on the street. And afterwards uh, I went to a therapist and she was like, I feel like you're covering up all of your pain with jokes. And I was like, I feel like that's like a really good way to do it. (laughs) Is there a better way? Like, I feel like you should worry about how that guy is dealing with his pain. But I think as far as what I'm doing, it seems like a really good, healthy way to do it. I think it's just sort of a natural reaction to, you know, things are rough and everyone has a different way of coping. And I think one way of coping is to make jokes about it. (laughs) Do you find like there are lines you won't cross? And I've asked other comedy writers this before. Like, do you feel like there's just certain lines that you won't cross? Or do you feel like everything has to be open and fair game if you're going for humor? It's a great question. I think sometimes I don't know the lines I shouldn't cross until I cross them. So I try to be (laughs) gentle with other comedians who have crossed them, in my opinion. Um, sometimes you're just not sure. But yeah, I think that there are, I think you don't punch down. I don't think there's any reason to insult someone who has less than you. You can always punch up. It's always okay. I don't care who the president is. It's always okay to insult the president. They're doing fine. They have a great life. If you're punching down, I think you have to think a lot more about it. I think that's a really good way to look at it. I think that's good for all of us, actually, on social media. And we think about, like, who we're talking to or yelling at or discussing with or having discourse with. So you talked about crossing a line and how, you know, other comedians have crossed a line and you're gentle with them. But not everyone is so gentle with people. And, you know, certainly the culture has evolved a lot. I think really quickly, especially in the last five or six years, too. And things that were considered okay a few years ago are not so okay. Okay, these days, and I've seen comedians like delete old tweets or evolve their routines or even like apologize for old jokes. Do you feel like that's ever happened to you? Um, 
I think it's always hard to look back and realize how not funny you were in the past. Um, so certainly I have gone back and gone, oh, no, why would I say that? I'm just trying, you know, I try to get I try to be as gentle with myself as I am with other people, but I'm certainly not. So, yeah, all the time I look back, not so much to go like, Jill, you were a terrible person being mean to terrible people. But just, gosh, you were really flailing there. You were trying so hard to be funny and it wasn't working and you look back and it's just embarrassing. So again, I think that we all have to not say awful things and take responsibility when we say awful things, but also to look back and go, well, I guess you have to learn from that. And and in some ways, we're all just kind of trying to get through our day treating people the best way we can that day. Hmm. I like that way of looking at it. I just think that it would be an interesting time to imagine being a writer or a comedian or any of those things before social media. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and YouTube. I mean, my first marriage was on TV on a morning show in Indianapolis. True story. True story. Oh and it was, it's not, a, it, it, well, actually, it kind of is like a comedy routine. <laughs> <laughs> But there was no YouTube. So like there's no record of it. So in a way, it's like, can I learn from that? But then also I don't need to be reminded of it over and over again. I just wonder how that is for someone who opens themselves up to public criticism. Like how has that been for you or, you know, even for your colleagues when you're in something or doing something that's so public and that people can be ruthless about? I mean, we get it. We're public in a way in some of the things that we do. But we're not on HBO. This is true. (laughs) We are not yet. (laughs) We reach a few million fewer people each week, probably, than you do. So far. And also not than me, uh, than John Oliver. Luckily, I guess, well, luckily for HBO, definitely, um, I am not on the television show. And so I certainly don't get what John gets Mm. from the public. And I don't have to take constant responsibility. And I also, I I would guess I don't have it much worse than almost every woman who is on purpose on the internet. Mm. I think, yeah, we all get attacked a little bit. On some level, sometimes it really sucks. But I think that I probably don't have it much worse than anyone else. I think that's fair. I've seen some women get it really badly and even like go dark for a while. And some women kind of don't get it at all. It's interesting to see like kind of who catches lightning or who captures the public imagination. You know, it's interesting because just today there was an L.A. Times article that came out about Mindy Kaling's new movie, Late Night, which I have not seen yet, but I really want to. And it's kind of about the issues for our listeners who don't know about um, the lack of women comedy writers and the challenge of getting in the door. And so, Jill, I know this is kind of well-trod territory, but can you talk a little bit about your personal experience? Sure. Uh, For the most part, honestly, I've been really lucky and I don't want to discount anyone else's experience, but I'm very lucky to be in a room where no one has ever questioned whether women are funny. Um, So I don't have to think about that as an additional part of my day on top of writing jokes. I guess the other side of it for me is that I was incredibly lucky in that I got into this job because a woman in comedy found me. Mm. There's a woman named Nell Scovell. Oh, who, uh, I like her so ah, much. You know of her. course I do. I follow her on Twitter. She's written for every everything you love. She was a Letterman writer. She created Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She's written jokes for Barack Obama. And one day I literally just got an email from her saying she had looked at my Twitter and said, have you ever thought about writing for television? Wow. And I said, oh my gosh, that's all I think about. I can't get anyone <laughs> to read anything I write. 
right. And she said, I can't get you a job, but I can get people to read your stuff. And very honestly, within six months, I had a job. That's amazing. So that was a woman sort of going, you know what, there are not enough women in these rooms and making an effort to find them. And I was so lucky and I'm so appreciative of that. That's We talk so much also about women mentoring other women and lifting up other women and how one of the biggest things, I mean, research has proven that holds women back is the lack of women at top levels creates a dearth of mentorship opportunities. So they're not like nurturing the next generation of women to come up with them because they're they're not there in the first place. So to hear that, shout out to Nell. That's awesome. What a great story. It's amazing. And now I, I shouldn't say this, this is probably going to end badly, but I will answer <laughs> any email from any woman that writes to me and has questions because I just know that I had so many questions that I couldn't find anyone to answer. And so I'll, I try to answer all the emails, but specifically if women are now writing me, I, I always answer the emails because I think about like, that's the only way I got here. Hmm. Well, you're paying it forward. Yay. And now you're going to get uh, 600 emails. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> at Jill Twist on uh, Twitter. You can find her that way, too. That might be faster. But it, it takes a while. I'm not the fastest answer. I'm just going to say that right now. People love that. I mean, look, even our, we are, who are we? We are Liz and Kristen of Spawned and Cool Mothers. <laughs> and people write to us. And when we write back, they go, oh, you guys wrote back directly? So people love getting letters from people they listen to or that they like or they admire. It's really, it's like a really neat thing. No matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You've done it too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you for your note from 2016. You probably don't know who I am anymore, but I just found your email in my inbox. (laughs) (laughs) So what made you think to start tackling children's books? Because that seems like a big leap to me from late night comedy, but maybe not so much. I think it both makes no sense at all. And after it happened, it makes all the sense in the world. Hmm. I love kids books, first of all. Um, I love animals. Um, I'm actually just obsessed with weird animal names. Like I have a Google Doc on my computer of good names for pets and I don't have any pets. (laughs) I'm a dog. I'm allergic to cats. And yet I've had this document for years. That's just what I would name pets. And so I was obsessed with Marlon Bundo, the actual vice presidential bunny. I followed him on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and I saw they were writing a book. And I felt like sort of personally offended as though I should be writing that book, which, again, is insane. Um, that makes no sense. It's not my bunny. But I sent a pitch. And I said, we should write that book. I want to write that book. And my bosses said, okay, write it. And so I did. I sort of wrote a draft so that that way they could be like, oh, not that, this. Like, now that we've seen what you said, let's do this other thing. Mm -hmm. But I wrote a draft and they were like, okay, let's publish that book. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's more to the story. We found an amazing illustrator in E.G. Keller. Like, half our staff got involved with helping with writing our piece with everything about it. It was a huge team effort. But in the moment, it was me going, I'm obsessed with this bunny and I feel like we should write a book. Um, <laughs> and and I could not have been luckier that I had a boss who said, yeah, okay, write the book. And for our listeners who have not yet read the Marlon Bundo book, which is awesome. It's basically in brief that the BOTUS or Bunny of the United States moves to DC from rural Indiana, falls in love with another bunny of the same gender. His love's name is Wesley, and not everybody is happy about it. <laughs> and it ends up being like a great love is love story, only with the uh, vice president's bunny. Yes, who I choose to believe is actually gay. <laughs> 
I don't know, but there is no proof to the contrary. Yeah, I was just going to say, if it's written down <laughs> these days, <laughs> these days it's real if it's written down. I'm like picturing kind of like, you know, the vice president's like slowly, quietly looking for other bunnies now. <laughs> Maybe I can swap this one out. No one will notice. <laughs> So, you know, it's really clear what inspired that message that you wanted to write about Marlon Bundo as if he were a gay bunny, which uh, it's really such a funny book. And it's so sweet, too. But talk to us about the new picture book and its theme, because this goes in a different direction. So the new book is called The Someone New. And very simply, it's the story of a chipmunk who is very scared of new things, who very much has her routine. So when someone new comes into her woods, when a new snail named Pudding comes in, She's very scared and she tries to kick him out. And then all of her friends kind of get her together and talk about how if she's scared, then think how scared that poor snail might be. And Jitterbug, the chipmunk, learns that kindness is stronger than fear. I love that. And, you know, it's funny because at first, when I first was looking at the book, I thought, oh, this is sweet. This is kind of like a new kid in school story, which I think we've seen that a lot in picture books where, you know, it's about like, be nice to the new kid. They might be a little different, but hey, let's make friends. Let's make them feel welcome. But the more I read it, it's really about xenophobia, isn't it? It's about, like, stereotypes about certain people. And Jitterbug felt like she knew only, you know, certain things about snails, and that freaked her out. And she she had to come to learn that things she had believed weren't quite true. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are layers to the story. And for a kid, I very much hope it is about being the new kid in school. I personally went to 11 schools in 12 years, so I was always the new kid in school. Wow. wow. I moved all the time. And and part of this was really me going, you know, what book do I wish had existed? Um, well, you know, I really wish people had learned, you know, to be nice to new people. But of course, I am also watching a world where we're separating parents from their kids, a world where, you know, kids have to defend themselves in court if they enter the country without a parent. And I guess I just want people to not be so scared about that. You were talking about how to write jokes in a time like this. And I think that that's really important. But I also, you get so tired that you start to think, how can I help? Who can I make a difference to? And you think about kids and you go, like, if I can just, when you talk to kids, like, they are the best people. <laughs> and if they can come out, sometimes they're the worst people. I know. But most <laughs> Well, our own kids are the best. Yeah, I was going to say know. other people's kids are the worst, but ours are, <laughs> ours are amazing. That's totally fair. <laughs> um, and when you think about just the idea that a lot of what holds kids back is they're scared. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can just have a generation of kids that realize that kindness is stronger than that fear, I think that that really could make a difference. I, I love that. And we've talked about this often and we've written about it often on Cool Mom Picks that as with Marlon Bundo, you know, the idea of love and kindness is ingrained in kids. Kids are born to be kind and nice to each other. The awful stuff like bigotry and hatred and being mean, that's learned. And so I think a lot of parents out there are really looking for books like this to help reinforce their values about kindness. And I, I love the way you put it, that kindness is stronger than fear. 
I think that's what's so cool about the book too, is it's it's very funny and it doesn't feel preachy at all. Thank you. I, I guess I do think that that's a big thing for kids in a way that doesn't ever have to do with immigration in a way that has to do with, yeah, a new kid at school. Someone just told me they were getting it for someone who was having a little sister. And I went, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. But for kids, so much more stuff is new than is new for us. Like kids are terrified of new foods, of new kids, of new, you know, you go to school and you think, like, I just got this figured out. I just decided who I'm eating lunch with. I just decided what to do. And now there's a change. What do I do? How's it going to work out? And this is kind of going like, yeah, it is scary. That's fair. But it's worth giving it a shot. So you tweeted that your editors took out a reference to Grand Theft Otter, which is like <laughs> the best thing ever. I don't even understand. Who are these editors? So we kind of want to know, is there anything else you can tell us that like didn't make it in? Sometimes your editors are definitely saving you from yourself. <laughs> um, For sure. I know this. I was amazed by what they let me put in there. Um, <laughs> but I actually looked back to see what I had pitched to them. And again, thank goodness. I had a series of books in there where Jitterbug the Chip Monk would have all the, instead of Harry Potter books, he'd have furry Potter books. <laughs> he had a book called Pride and Predators, which is not in there, and a book called Rodinson Crusoe. Oh, yes. Th this is my kind of humor. Yes, me too. <laughs> you gotta write a second book. That's just like, you know, Jitterbug's bookshelf. <laughs> just everything. Yeah, all the rejects from the first book. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could happen. I think that's awesome. Look, it's published by HarperCollins. They do a beautiful job with children's books. Like, we've reviewed tons of them. And so I'm sure you had fabulous editors. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and I and I agree with that. Every change, I now go back and go, oh, my gosh, thank goodness they did not let me do everything I want to do. Um, <laughs> I should not be trusted to write a children's book with no oversight. <laughs> so what do you want to cover next for real besides you know the bookshelf only made of puns is there like another topic that you'd like to be writing about for kids that you think kids need to hear oh my gosh I have so much I wanted to talk about but the next book is actually going to be about voting Ooh. but the thing I'm most excited to write a children's book about eventually is fake news I really want to write a kid's book that is just fake news is not quite the right word it's about learning to vet your sources oh yeah I feel like we have to start now so early just talking about, hey, just because you see it on a screen doesn't mean it's true. Just because you read it doesn't mean it's true. I cannot think of a more boring sounding book than fact checking the book. But I think that the thing I most want to talk about with kids is just how to know whether to trust something or not. I think that's a skill that we need to instill in kids from the very beginning. And I'm totally excited about it. Kristen, that's right up your alley. I was just reading something that Kristen wrote about that very thing today. We have haven't published it yet, so there's like a little scoop. But she was just writing about that. Yes. I think that's great. It's something we talk about a lot on Cool Mom Tech. Yeah, especially on our tech site. We talk a lot about teaching kids how to be good digital citizens and being able to read what's online or even what's sent to you in an email and being able to discern, you know, if that's true and if you're not sure how to check your sources. I mean, I was in college. Oh, God, Liz and I, when we were in college, 1937. Was microfiche. Oh, I'll talk about microfiche. That's, that's, that's like my litmus test. Do you know what microfiche is? That's how old I am. I'm microfiche. And the card catalog. The card catalogs. <laughs> we were just starting to use internet sources, right? Like this was just at the beginning where no one knew, like, what do we do? I found an article on the internet. Is it real? And now, you know, kids will just be like, there, here's a website. Isn't this good? They said this. It must be true. And you're like, no, 
So there's so much value in that, not just with technology and digital citizenship, but like just in life in general. Like we need to know these things. So I'm excited. Jill, if you need parental consultants, you know who to call. (laughs) You have our emails. Oh my gosh, I definitely do. I feel like I need to teach it to kids and then also to my parents. I feel like both ends of that need the same set of information, which is like just because it comes in an email doesn't mean it's true, dad. Just because you're reading it on a screen does not mean it's a fact. Yes. If you forward this to seven people, pigeons will not deliver (laughs) Gap gift cards to you at your doorstep. (laughs) Bill Gates is not going to give you a million dollars just for filling out this survey. (laughs) Those are still going around. Um, But I am pleased, actually, that my kids have learned in school, they're in middle school, that they are not allowed to use Wikipedia as a source, which I think is really cool that they're teaching that in middle school. Oh, that's great. Although they have to be quick to going to, well, then you go to the bottom of Wikipedia and you click the source and then you say that was your source. Yes. But you know what? They've learned something and that's worth it. Yeah. Well, look, they still come to me and they tell me some crazy thing and I go, where'd you hear that? Tumblr. <laughs> I'm like, Tumblr is not a source. That's a, that's a, that's a t-shirt. So what other cool projects are coming up? Because I hear something about a musical. And what? I am musical obsessed and I would like to know more about oh that. Oh my gosh. I've been working with a friend on a comedy musical about the Seneca Falls Convention. Um, which is. If you don't know, um, as I assume the whole world does, the Seneca Falls Convention was in 1848. It was when women first asked for the right to vote. And I started to read about it. And I think what actually got me hooked was I found a woman, Martha Coffin Wright, who was there. She was 41, pregnant, and gave a humor speech. And I was like, these are my ladies. Oh, my God. I found a letter from Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who is sort of the famous you know, leader, uh, along with Lucretia Mott of that. And she's so oddly, annoyingly relatable. She wrote a letter where she said, um, I gave a speech that was so compelling, I made myself cry. And I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I know that girl. I know Elizabeth Cady Stanton and she is annoying and she's amazing. And I want to write a whole musical about her. So in any case, that's what I've been working on. I will be like lined up to get the front row center seats the first night that opens for sure. That's exciting. And I'll bring my girls too. That's like right up our alley. I really hope that happens for you. I know it's like a humongous deal. I was just listening the other day that just to go to Broadway specifically it's often a five year thing. Hades Town was like 15 years so I hope that that happens soon so I can see it soon. It's amazing. Every time you look at a show you realize how many years ago they started writing it and how many changes they make and you kind of go, I mean you know, we have a show that airs every week And when I start to think about writing this and going, oh, no, like this is thinking about like six years from now, what Mm -hmm. people on a stage might say. That's why it's also all that more impressive that you do what you do and make it so funny every single week because most people have five or six years to make their jobs funny. (laughs) (laughs) So we bow to you. That's awesome. Well, we have a whole staff, so that really helps. So listen, tell us where we can find your book or where to follow you or where our listeners can go if they want to get more info about all the Jill Twist fabulosity coming up. Sure. The great news is there are not a lot of Jill Twists in the world. So... (laughs) I got all of them. Um, it's J-I-L-L-T-W-I-S-S. And my Twitter is at Jill Twist. My Instagram is at Jill Twist. If you say Jill Twist at pretty much any email, I will probably get it because I grab them all right away. I have 
all of them. And uh, my website is jilltwist.com, but you can just do a search for the someone new um, and you can buy the book at your independent bookstore or at Amazon or anywhere else you want. That's awesome. And thank you for promoting independent bookstores. We are big fans of them. And hey, you're going to stick around for our cool picks of the week? Of course I am. Awesome. Well, we'll be back with that right after this. So, Liz. Kristen. How did you eat today? What was your diet today, Liz? Do you know oh, what you ate? Yes, it was not great, honestly. Oh. I did have a banana, so I started strong. <laughs> and then I had a protein bar, and then it just went downhill from there. Well, it's a good thing that our sponsor, Ritual, is back. You know them, the obsessively researched vitamin for women, or the data nerd vitamin, I guess we could say Kristen, here. not only do I know them, I am a paying subscriber. Really? Yes. That's awesome. I, like, they sponsored our podcast a while back, and I ended up getting it. I, like, go broke on our sponsors. <laughs> I just give all the money right back. I'm a giver. So, yeah, I started subscribing to Ritual, and I take it, like, twice a day. It's really good, and I've never stuck with the vitamin. Okay, so what do you like about them? Okay, so first of all, it's, like, got a little minty taste. Yes. So you kind of enjoy taking them. Like, I don't like taking pills and stuff, and these are kind of enjoyable because you're like, oh, I feel minty fresh after taking it. Mm. Also, um, you know, I can have digestive stuff. Yes. And I do not get that at all one bit. Like, once I remember taking a vitamin with some kind of fish oils, and I just felt like I was burping up fish oil all day. It was awful. That's sexy. <laughs> yes. Ritual <laughs> is not that. Like, you just don't even notice it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that to me is the best kind of vitamin. Like, you take it, and then you don't think about it the rest of the day. So, it's it's really good. I like it very much. Plus, you know what I like? They let you pause the subscription. So, if I, like, go away for a week, and I forget to pack it, oh, and then I start getting smart. behind, yes. yes, they'll send you an email that says, like, hey, would you like to pause your subscription? When would you like the next one sent to you? So, you don't, like, get a backlog of, like, 18 things of vitamins if you get off track and you're not taking one every day. So I like that too. Every so often I have to just push the next one back a couple weeks. Yeah. And I know I try to eat really healthy, but I think there are some things we just can't get. I know their rituals essential for women helps fill in the gaps, which is good because we're doing so many things. It's nice to have something to help us keep us going and stay healthy. And I don't know, I know you're an obsessive label reader. Have you seen? It's like vegan friendly, sugar free, non-GMO, gluten free, which I need and allergen free and they put their sources there too so it's probably why I don't like react badly to it honestly it yes. makes me think that I should get tested for like allergies to all those Ooh. things because when I take this I'm totally fine well that's awesome and Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So you can fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, which is a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. If you go to ritual.com slash spawn, you can start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash spawn. Plus, hey, it's a subscription. It's easy. It comes in the mail and one less thing to think about. That's good for busy moms. All right, well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Jill, you get to go first. Okay, I'm going to say two things because the first one is kind of serious, um, which is that I want to pick the charity Kind. 
um, which stands for Kids in Need of Defense. It's a charity that gives legal representation to immigrant and refugee children. So it gives them free lawyers. Oh, that's amazing. It's, it's truly like a wonderful group that not only provides lawyers for kids here, because kids sometimes that are like two years old are expected to defend themselves in court. Mm -hmm. But it also makes sure that if they are sent back, that they're going back to a safe place. And that's something that's really important to me. So I wanted to promote Kids in Need of Defense. And I will just say I have sent them money. They're a fantastic charity, and I'm all verklempt that you picked them. That's wonderful. You're a good person, Jill. <laughs> My book has partnered with them, um, oh. so they are tremendous, um, and I've gotten to know them, and I've been so impressed with every aspect of what they do. But the very not serious thing that I'm going to recommend that I don't even have like a brand for or anything is just um, get a speaker in your shower. <laughs> I bought a shower speaker. And I love it so much. It makes me so happy to have music in the shower that I'm just going to tell everybody they're very cheap. You can get one for like $15. Get a shower speaker. It's going to change your life. Shower speaker. <laughs> Kristen, you're going to have to look up a few of the best ones to put on Cool Mom Tech. Best waterproof speakers for your shower. Yes. That's such a good idea. I love that. A little um, background support for your singing in the shower. You don't have to sing alone. <laughs> I was listening to your podcast in the shower today. Oh. I feel like that's not creepy. Well, we couldn't see you through the phone, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless speakers are totally different than I think they are. Well, it depends on if you've got Alexa hanging in your shower. <laughs> Is it a new Facebook speaker? <laughs> oh, suddenly you're going to be getting ads for, like, the shirt I'm wearing, and then that's going to be really weird. <laughs> I listen to podcasts in the shower, so I totally get it. I love So, that. Kristen, okay. how about you? What's your cool pick? Yeah, well, you know what? We just announced, Liz, as you know, Jill may not, but now you're going to, that we've been actually doing Spawned Podcast for four years. Yay! And someone kindly messaged us to say that they love when we share our beauty picks. So I am going to share a name that I'm about to murder, <laughs> but I'm going to try. <laughs> it's Petty Petta. P-E-R-I-P-E-R-A, and it's a tinted lip balm. It's K-Beauty, which now they're carrying at CVS. And I kind of raided the shelves. The packaging is so cute. You know how I am now, Liz, with the tinted lip balm. Like, that is my yes, thing. that's your thing. So I grabbed a couple of them, and they're awesome. They really feel like a lip balm, but they add a great tinted color. And the Butter Pang, which I just love the name, it actually looks like a clear chapstick, but it goes on as pink. It's one of those where you kind of put it on and then I think the color kind of matches your mood. It's not really your mood, but like the heat in your body or something like that. I don't know. But I was very surprised Fancy. when I put it on. Yeah, it's fun and it's great for teens and tweens if you've got those folks in your house that are uh, experimenting with makeup. So that's my pick. We'll link it up. Peri Para. Peri Para. I haven't even heard of it. I'm excited to look it up. Well, so, you know, Quinlan, my daughter, takes Japanese and Chinese and so it's Korean which is a little different but I you know it's an Asian language and she was like peripeda and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm never going to be able to say that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, everything Korean is good. I know that. Because when I was in South Korea last year, all we did was go into, like, face mask stores. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, as as one would do. All right, what's yours, Liz? So I, too, have a beauty pick. Oh, so funny. this is interesting. A while back, we did a project with Sephora. And so they gave me, like, a little mini makeover. And when we do that, I am such a sucker. I end up using all my money and buying all the stuff that they put 
put on me. And then half of it ends up not used <laughs> because it looks so good in the store. And then I'm like, I'll never <laughs> put on this like fancy highlighter that goes over your eyes and under your shadow. You know, it's ridiculous. But here's one thing that I have loved, loved, loved. So NARS, you know, I'm yes. a fan of NARS because I've talked about their I am stupid too. lip pencils. They have this natural radiant longwear foundation and I am obsessed. I love it. Mm. And here's the trick that I learned. So this okay. is my second cool pick to go with it. Okay. I've been doing foundation wrong my whole life, Kristen. Really? I was like putting a huge glob in my hand and rubbing it all over my face and then washing the rust off my hands. And guess what it turns out? You need like a pea-sized drop. That's it if you have a good brush. And that will cover your whole face for real. Yes, because your hands are porous, right? And so uh -huh. you're just, it's wasting it. You're wasting so, it. So literally a pea-sized drop. And look, I got over 40 skin. It's not like, you know, perfect, dewy, teenage, <laughs> lovely skin where I'm like, I hardly even need foundation. So I wear it every day and it's so light and beautiful and it goes on perfectly. And literally one drop a day is all I use. And so I've still got like a half a bottle left, which I love. Yay. <laughs> so that's my cool pick. That's great. And because that stuff isn't super cheap, but I know I love this idea of making it go a very long way. I'm a NARS fan. In fact, I'm wearing the NARS stick blush on my face right now. Ooh. I know you can't see it unless you have Jill's shower speaker in your closet. <laughs> and then maybe you can. <laughs> you know that these things exist. I'm going to be like super paranoid now every time I see a speaker somewhere in somebody's bathroom. I'm going to be like... There's a camera in there, isn't there? All right, so let's share our cool <laughs> podcast of the week. And I love this choice, Liz. The Milk Podcast, The Moms I'd Like to Know, hosted by mom and author Mallory Kasdan, who was a guest on Spawned. It's a wonderful podcast. I love it. She talks to moms with honesty and humor about everything, like what it's like to evolve as a person after becoming a mother, with the goal of helping listeners feel less isolated, less competitive, and more tethered to each other. Her guests range from celebrities like Anna Gasteyer, to all kinds of fascinating moms, like a Peloton instructor, a rabbi, a cannabis CEO, a funeral director. Really interesting, diverse, cool range. So it's called Milk, like MILF, but without the gross F part. So it's Milk Moms <laughs> I'd Like to Know, the Milk Podcast. And you could find it at milkpodcast.com or on your favorite podcast app. Awesome. And we will, of course, link all of these things up, including Jill's book on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. Well, thanks for joining us for another Another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Also an Emmy winner in his <gasps> own right. Yes, we can say that. Our engineer <laughs> is famous. <laughs> and hey, thank you so much for listening. You know, we love all the reviews you've been leaving us. It's such a small thing you can do that really helps support independent broadcasters like us. We are not like big fancy people. We're just like two moms trying to do something really fun and put it out there for y'all. And giving us a review on iTunes is just a really nice way to support us. Yes. And subscribe to our podcast and download those episodes. And if you haven't joined yet, make sure to head over to our Spawned Parenting Podcast community on Facebook. We always link it up on our podcast page on coolmompics.com, but you can also just go to Facebook and search for Spawned Podcast Community. And guess what? It'll pop up because there's not too many Spawned Parenting Podcast Communities out there. <laughs> Only one. The best one. The best course. one ever. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.